All right, we come today to the next to last chapter of the Gospel of John and really our next to last chapter in our journey through these four Gospels in our New Testament challenge. And so hope you're uh, still persevering. And uh, chapter 20 is a fun chapter. <laughs> it's kind of like to the degree that the previous chapter was grim, uh, this chapter surpasses it in glory because this is the account, this is John's account of the resurrection of our Savior from the dead. And here is the fountain and source of eternal life. Here is the ground of John 3.16. Because Jesus lives, we live. Here are some thoughts, I guess, on the chapter then. Um, and I just want to point out, I think, uh, well, I'll, I'll point out three things. Um, and uh, the the first is uh, is. The, this little curious phrase, supposing him to be the gardener. Um, and we'll talk about that. These early verses of the chapter describe just the basic account of Jesus' resurrection. It's just simply establishing the fact. Uh, the majority of the chapter revolves around his post-resurrection appearances to different people. And uh, in the chapter, he appears first to Mary Magdalene and then to his disciples on two different occasions once without Thomas and once with him uh, in the telling of any story the storyteller always chooses what details to include and often those details are significant uh, there's a statement found in the account of Jesus appearance to Mary Magdalene that is interesting to consider as Mary is distraught over Jesus no longer being in the tomb Jesus spoke to her and asked her a question and at this point John adds a detail that I don't believe is insignificant. We read in verse 15, Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have laid him. Supposing him to be the gardener. I mean, did she not recognize his voice? Was resurrection so far off the scope of possibility in her mind that it simply did not compute that it was Jesus speaking to her? Were her eyes so filled with tears that she couldn't see clearly? Was she supernaturally kept from recognizing him, as were the two men on the road to Emmaus in, at the end of Luke's gospel? Who knows? There are a number of reasons that could explain it, but that's not the main point here. The main point, uh, or I guess it, just to say this, it's interesting to me that John felt compelled to include that bit of information in telling the story, supposing him to be the gardener. It's impossible to know for certain, but I, I think it's entirely likely that John, at the end of his gospel, is once again taking us back in our minds to the beginning of the Bible. Do you remember the words he used to begin his gospel? In the beginning are the first three words in John 1.1, intentionally drawing the reader back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning. Well, I think something similar is happening again here. When God created Adam, think think Genesis. When God created Adam, where did he put him? In a garden where he was told in Genesis 2.15 to work it and to keep it. In other words, Adam was a gardener of sorts. And as that story goes, um, Adam failed to live up to God's commandments. And he sinned and he was banished from the garden as a consequence. Genesis 3.24. I believe it's perhaps John's intention to mention this detail of Jesus being mistaken as the gardener because elsewhere in the Bible, 
Jesus is described as a second Adam or a last Adam. See, for example, Romans chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, or 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. Just as God originally placed the first Adam in the garden to rule over his creation, and that first Adam failed, the last Adam, Jesus, rose from the dead in another garden, having secured the redemption of the world, broken beginning with the first Adam's sin. Every detail of the story is important, and this seemingly insignificant detail reminds us of the completeness of the redemption won for us by Christ. Second, let's think about Thomas's um, exclamation at uh, being convinced of the risen Christ. So the first time uh, Jesus appears to the disciples, Thomas wasn't there. In fact, he was adamantly opposed in his mind to believing that Jesus had risen from the dead. And he declared that uh, certain very concrete things would have to take place before he would believe. But when those things happened, Thomas's mind was changed and he fell to the ground and cried out to Jesus in John 20, verse 28, my Lord and my God. And that's just yet another declaration of the deity of Jesus Christ. It is so clear a declaration that many who do not believe the deity of Jesus and, for example, the Jehovah's Witnesses and who still want to um, claim to take the Bible seriously, they feel compelled to explain this verse in another way. For example, um, the Jehovah's Witnesses attempt to explain this verse simply has Thomas basically taking the Lord's name in vain in surprise. But that doesn't fit the story for several reasons. One, Thomas was a devout Jew and would not have taken the name Lord's name in vain like this. And number two, Jesus did not rebuke him for taking the Lord's name in vain. And three, it is most naturally a comment directed to Jesus as in Jesus is the Lord and is the God of Thomas. Notice Jesus doesn't rebuke Thomas for this either. He accepts the statement and the praise from Thomas. And this is another strong statement of Jesus' deity. And finally, uh, just a word about the purpose of the book. The last brief comment I would make here is John's very straightforward purpose statement in verses 20 and 21. He lays out very clearly why he wrote his gospel um, and the reason is according to verse 21 so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name he wanted to lay out before the reader who Jesus is and what Jesus did so that they might believe and be saved a promise he first made in the first chapter in John 1 12 but notice, too, that John said that these things are written that we might believe. The scriptures are the medium by which the Holy Spirit works to bring people to faith in Christ. As Paul says in Romans ten seventeen, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We neglect the scriptures at our own peril. The scriptures are the word of God and they are what nourish our souls and sustain our faith. And it was a very nourishing and sustaining chapter, this John chapter 20. I hope you enjoyed it.